This is the MagicWordPodcast.com. Hello, this is Scott Wells for the MagicWordPodcast.com. This week's episode is brought to you by the Magic at the Beach Magic Convention coming up October 5th, 6th, and 7th. You can get all the information that you really need to know by going to magicatthebeach.org. We'll have a brief message by one of the sponsors, representatives, later in this podcast. We also want to thank, welcome, and show our appreciation with this shout-out to our newest friend of the Magic Word, Chuck Feltner. Thank you very much, Chuck. I appreciate you joining the group and for your donation via PayPal. It is because of people like you that we were able to keep this podcast going and for free online to the rest of the world. Thank you so very much, and I thank again all of the friends of the Magic Word, and that and you know who you are. You are the ones who give your financial support, so thank you guys very much. For more information on how you can help us, just go to themagicwordpodcast.com. There you can find a video and understand more about why we really need your support. Well, this week's episode with Greg Fruin is very interesting because he is going to be talking about not only part of his career, uh, working with birds and working working with Jason Byrne, who, by the way, is someone we'd had sometime earlier as uh, one of the featured guests uh, on an episode here at the Magic Ward, but also he has developed his act as he has competed in contests as well as at FISM and also being having an award-winning act and then settling in a theater in Niagara, Falls area in Canada. And he has really been killing it there for a number of years and doing an amazing job. But he's coming to kind of the end of his career, if you will. And I think that's what's kind of interesting is how do you go about passing a baton to someone else and kind of slowly deciding that you want to bow out and how you kind of appoint your apprentice and how do you train your apprentice. So this week, we not only talk with Greg about that because it's not that he's nearing the end of his career because I believe he'll be doing magic for the rest of his life until until the end, but he is uh, slowly going to be turning over the reins of uh, as a main performer at his theater to Christian Macha, and Christian is uh, going to be one of the people who is on this podcast this week also, so he can hear us talk a little bit about what he's doing and what his future looks like then as well. This is a very interesting uh, episode because, again, we talk not only about a career of a, a person who started out as a bird magician, but also he has worked with the large cats as well. You might recall that some time ago we talked with Rick Thomas about uh, working with large cats, so we've had a few people on from time to time who have uh, had this experience, but we will talk a little bit about that as well as illusions and uh, theaters because the theaters seem to be very popping up everywhere and everyone seems to be very interested in perhaps opening up their own theater someplace in their locale. And then also about passing the baton, as I said, to the next generation. Well, enough for me. Let's hear more from our guest here this week, who, by the way, will be one of the featured performers at the Magic at the Beach convention, who is our sponsor this week. It just so happens. So if you want to see Greg, then you need to register for the convention and come to Myrtle Beach. Well, please welcome my guest this week, Mr. Greg Fruin, here on The Magic Order. (laughs) 
Today, we are with a, uh, a noted illusionist, and from time to time, we do have a few people who are on who are illusionists that I've spoken with. You can go back and listen to those uh, others, like with Rick Thomas and, uh, of course, Rick Wilcox and some other people uh, over the past several years. Uh, but it's always uh, interesting then also, particularly to talk with the gentleman we're talking with today, because he had a show for a while with a, another magician who uh, was on the podcast with us some time ago, and that was Jason Byrne, and the two of them had uh, worked together, and... And then um, he, uh, that is, uh, Greg had gone on then uh, to uh, move to different, uh, across the country, open up his own show in uh, Niagara Falls, and has been doing that for at least a decade. And we'll get into all that and some more then as well. And uh, with him today then is Christian Moshia, and he's going to uh, uh, add a little bit of color and background as well on how this is going. First of all, here's my guest, Greg Fruin. Hey there, Greg. How are you? Hey. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> I'm fantastic. So glad you came uh, here today. Yeah. And I'm up here as we were speaking in the Buffalo area, and you're just kind of down the road almost literally just about 15 20 miles away in niagara falls or yeah as they say a stone throw away i think that's the expression <laughs> uh yeah i'm over in niagara falls on the canadian side the only thing good that we have in canada over the american side so it, it's a really cool the place. view is much better over there yeah you know we've, we've got lucky you know america has everything else though we, we got niagara <laughs> falls canada that's our side that's it <laughs> but if you want to go there now you have to have a passport just to go across to, to take a look at, the, at yeah. the view from there as a matter of fact that actually is a you know interesting because during the 2000 i think it was nine uh-huh. around that area when before they had to have passports people could come across really easy sure then all of a sudden in one week they made the decision to put the passports on and it devastated Niagara Falls for that summer. Oh, the tourism was yeah. just... Huh. Nobody had passports. Never thought about that. Yeah. Because you have to go through that whole process. Correct. Most people just drove back and forth. Probably yeah. also people who are working back and forth, right. you know, and, and going back and forth. So interesting how business is, right? It really is. And I recall many years ago of uh, when we did have the 4F convention at in the Forks Hotel, and oftentimes we would go over to Niagara. And I remember going to the Houdini Museum, and yep. then uh, I remember one time Rudy Kobe and I had gone over there. I'd taken a picture of him. He brought his legs with him, and I got a picture of him with <laughs> Niagara Falls in the background, you know, kind of fun. We were rooming together. Anyhow, so uh, when... Uh, over in Niagara Falls, why did you decide, well, I guess kind of go back, I guess, to begin with, uh, when you were working with uh, Jason. So uh, the two of you kind of, he had, a, you both had bird acts, but he mm-hmm. was, you were the kind of the illusionist, he was kind of the bird man, right? Well, actually, we, I started out as a bird magician. I didn't yeah. do illusions before any of that. Um, we both actually won Abbott's on the same year. He was in the junior contest, I was in the senior, and what that's how would we that met. Oh, gosh. Oh, now you're dating us. 80s, maybe? Uh, it would have been probably like 89, 90, maybe. Okay. Maybe in there. We'll say 90. You'll say 90. You'll say 90. Make us feel <laughs> Make better. It, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, we both uh, competed and won our categories or our age group. Mm. And then we started hanging out. He was from Windsor, Ontario, and about uh, four hours away from Niagara Falls. And we started hanging out. And I just one day mentioned, I said, you know, I remember an act years ago uh, called United Artists. Uh, it was um, hmm. two magicians. They did magic where they had four arms at one point. And I said, how cool that was. I said, wouldn't that be neat if two guys could do a bird act together? And then Jason hmm. looked at me with this expression of, wow, that'd be cool. And by the next morning, we had written out a bunch of ideas and we started putting the act together. And I guess the rest is what they call history. Did you, When they started putting that together, were you coming up with these ideas, in, these ideas independently? Or did you kind of like so, brainstorm overnight and... Kind of. We actually did kind of a dual thing. We each had our own acts to begin with. So we took pieces out of each act Uh that we already currently had that we liked. Then we created a few other pieces. With two guys, you can do a lot more, though. Mm. So there's a lot of things we were able to come up with that you wouldn't be able to do as a conventional single magician Mm -hmm. or single bird act. Uh, So we just sort of jammed out ideas uh, for the next week, and we were able to come up with some really amazing 
and different ways to produce a doe. But we both did our bird acts for years prior to that. So And your styles were different. A little bit, yeah. But we 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 had similarities in uh-huh. a certain way, which was kind of interesting. That's why when we did the act we called it double vision. It was almost like seeing two two of the that. same guy, yeah, right? right? Like right. double vision. Uh but it you know, our styles were similar. I'll say this much. I mean, our, you weren't like Dan Sperry and, you know. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. But but our our, uh, our one thing that was common, very common, was our drive to do a really incredible bird act. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what, you know, really uh, fueled the whole, the whole idea of this double vision act. Now, where did you go and take that? I mean, aside from conventions, were there a lot of corporate uh, places you could book a act like that? So this was one of the problems. So I'm more on a business side of things than a lot of magicians. Yeah. I always think first. That I'm how, glad we're talking because that's yeah. how I talk about this. Right. Well, yeah, there's a lot to talk about in that side of it. But, you know, we did do, uh, well, we worked with Franz Ferrari in mm-hmm. uh, Taiwan for, I think it was like three months. Uh, we did a couple other small corporates that I had in my hometown of, of Stony Creek, Ontario, which is right by Niagara Falls. But it was really difficult because anytime, even the castle, they wanted to book us. But now it's two flights, you know, uh, two sets of me, like everything's double. Yeah. But they didn't pay double. And so. <laughs> so you had all, to share a room. Or- correct. And all of a sudden you're sitting there going, well, on a business side. Yeah. This is going to be difficult. Uh-huh. And so it just was one of those things. Well, it's not that, like a spouse, you know, where you can kind of correct. share like that, yeah, you know, because right. you're both trying to make a living for That's each right. other. That's independent. right. So you're really making half a living if you think yeah. about it. Yeah, well, good point. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, so it was it was sort of very early on, it was sort of evident that this probably won't kind of last. It, it mm-hmm. wasn't something that we were, we never really planned it to be, hey, this is our future forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it really was good because it got both of us our foot in the door of the magic community. Mm-hmm. People all of a sudden, like we did Abbott's first and then we did Tannins that year because, and we actually had to call Tannins. I had to call up Tony Spina. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say beg to get on the show, but he's like, well, he didn't know who we were. He's like, oh, we're already booked up. We sorry, we can't book anyone else. Yeah. We wanted to go because they were honoring Channing Pollock. Wow. Yes. And I didn't care if we were getting paid. I didn't care. I just wanted to go. Yeah. Well, you so, got, yeah, got yeah. on stage even. You were like, you were like but yeah. if we can get paid, that's, that's right. just a bonus. Yeah. So we sent, I said, look, I'll send you the tape and just look at it and whatever. And he told me the story later that when the tape arrived, he was up, they were in the uh, tannins uh, in the shop. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a bunch of local guys there. Some, I don't know who exactly now, but, and they put the tape on and they were kind of going, oh, another act. And then they all of a sudden went, well, what is this? Because it was two guys doing stuff that never been done before. Yeah, yeah. And he immediately called me and said, well, I'd like to book you. So it was the most coolest thing. We got to be on stage. We performed the night that they gave Channing his, uh, you know, award. Is that the Mil- Milburn Christopher Award? Uh, no, well, they, uh, Tannins used to do it more like it. They, uh, they honored him, but I don't know what they called it. I can't remember okay, the sure. name of the award. Mm-hmm. But it was great to be backstage. We're there in our outfits, ready to do the act. And I remember saying to Channing, I said, Channing, after the show, I'd love you to give us any, uh, you know, uh, tips, advice. tips or whatever advice. And he looked at me with that Channing way and he looked up and down and looked at our outfits and he looked at me and said, I think you guys got this all figured out. That is awesome. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, what do you mean? We haven't even done our act yet, but he looked like he just, he could see that our, our tuxedos were they tightly, you know, they fit. Yeah. Everything was perfect, you yeah. know, and he, and he was so cool. So that was sort of wow. one of our, 
one of the moments in what magic an inspiration I, yeah you know it's kind of like i've been given the approval yep. the okay it's kind of okay. like johnny carson you know sitting in the chair over there and giving an okay to, that's uh, to right the act or something it's like you guys have got it that's it <laughs> so then we did like i say we did a few more things but then it just became very evident that on a business side this was going to be a very difficult thing to do now again getting booked beyond conventions what other kind of venues did you work well once again i we had i used to work for an agent in in my hometown that would do phone sales shows where they uh, sell out arenas for a cause and things like that, or, okay. or, or theaters. Um, like a phone room show. Yeah, phone room show. Yeah. Uh, but once again, it was same thing, you know, you're paying. And back then, I, I was still starting my career, so I couldn't demand big money. Sure. So now everything was divided in two, and it just became very difficult. It, it really, you know, we were starving artists already. Now you're cutting that <laughs> little bit of the pie in half, right? Yeah, yeah. and it took just as much time for the t- or more yeah, that's right. for the two of you that's to right. coordinate your time together. And I think we also had a little bit different vision, both of us. Looking back now, I mean, I didn't see it quite then, but we both had different visions on where, like, what our careers would want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, opening this theater, and if you go back and look at the Magic Live article I was in after I won FISM, mm-hmm. I said in there, I've had it all mapped out and I wanted to own my own theater and have my own show. And Mm -hmm. so I think for me, it was, I was already planning one way. And I think for Jason, he wanted to stay more the direction he went, which is fine. You know, each person has their own way. Right. But you never had the long-term vision of saying, hey, we're going to be the new Siegfried and Roy. Correct. And stay together forever. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, so that you both just kind of look at each other and say, well, I think it's time. Yeah, and it was good because, once again, it got us both notoriety in the business. Right? And that's the hardest part in this business, as you know, is trying to get your first, how do you get people to know who you are? Correct. And uh, so that way, when you go to these competitions or different things, people start to know. And Because, you know, competitions are funny. Uh, just because you're in one doesn't mean, you know, everyone's going to know who you are after. But if they hear mm-hmm. about you before... You know what it's like. Oh, I got to go make sure I'm at the contest. I want to see this guy sure. or that person sure. or whatever, right? Right. Well, as far as your strategy go to, or went back then, was your goal to win competitions in order to get that uh, notoriety so that way you can work conventions and you become more well-known among magicians and then launch that into something else? Or uh, There's a yes and a no to this. Okay. So uh, I competed IBM and SAM, and that was the goal with those. Yeah. And for me, actually, the IBM, the one thing that I really – I always dreamed about, but wasn't kind of in the plan 100%. But the one thing for me was, you know, Lance Burton won the gold medal back. Yep, I think he was the first one, actually, I think. 79? Yeah. And for me, that was always like, wow. And Lance is my idol. Still is. I mean, mm-hmm. the most amazing. I'm sure you're good friends. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I mean, growing up watching him on TV and stuff right. was just... So IBM, that was also a little part of it. I thought, wow, it'd be really cool if you could win first place. I never would have thought... Gold medal. You know, gold medal. And when they came out and gave me that, it was like, yeah. I, just, I just remember that moment of being, wow, this is the coolest thing ever. Uh, but then FISM, uh, Nathan Burton's a good friend of mine. At the time, uh, he told me he was booked to go. I just wanted the agents to see me. Mm-hmm. So I actually uh, wasn't planning on competing. So I sent my tape so I could get booked. Yeah. At FISM? At FISM. Yeah. And that year it was in Yokohama, Japan. For those people, by the way, who are listening, who are unaware that FISM is championships, there are a lot of contests, but they also have evening shows that are paid acts that are not competing. Correct. And once again, going back to my sort of way I think of always this as being a business, you know, uh, to fly to to Japan and hotel and food, I just couldn't, I wasn't at that point. Thousands of dollars. Well, yeah. (laughs) And I grew up, my my dad was a steel worker, so we Mm -hmm. didn't have a, a lot of money. And so I put my tape in thinking, well, I just want IBM and SAM. I'm sure they'll hire me. Of course. <laughs> well, the phone call never came. Uh-huh. And so I thought, oh, well, maybe the next one. And then I got a phone call uh, about six months before, and they're saying, how come you're not competing? 
And I said, well, I'm kind of done with competing. I didn't really uh-huh. plan on it. And they said, we really want you to come and compete. And, and I, you automatically qualify, particularly if you're a gold medal yes, winner. Yes, correct. So you don't have to go through the championship. Yep, that's uh, right. Preliminary. Well, it was a little different back then. They didn't actually well, do all that true. back then. Is, yes. And it was the process was more of getting signatures. You had to have so many signatures. Right. So it was a little would, different. Would recommend you. Correct. In the testimony. And, and then I said to them, I said, look, I just unfortunately I just can't afford to fly. Uh, and at the time, my wife was in the act. She appeared at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't I can't afford two airline tickets, hotel. I just don't have the money. And they called me back and said, there's a gentleman that would like to sponsor and pay for your flight. So I said, okay, I'll come. So the rest is history. Wow. Um, yeah. And without that, I just, I mean, financially, I just couldn't do it. Wow. Yeah. Which of those would you say really launched your career? And what, I don't mean by that necessarily that uh, it was because of that that people started saying, hey, he's a FISM winner or he's a Grand Prix winner. Or, I mean, a, a gold medal winner or something like that. But maybe just mentally to you, in your mind thinking, Okay, I've got it. I guess I really can do it. They gave you the confidence. I guess sure, what I'm you know. What but I'm you saying? know, I think so. I think the gold medal did a lot, but I think the FISM FISM was interesting for me because so I went in uh, when I went in um, to FISM. I went in under as a Canadian, mm-hmm. and back then Canada didn't have any organization that associated with FISM. Mm-hmm. Little did I know all this back then. So when I went in and competed, uh, how FISM worked back then was. The, the highest marks would get the Grand Prix, whichever category, mm-hmm. whether it be comedy, close-up, whatever. Well, I had the highest marks, but they ended up deducting marks from me because I was Canadian and I didn't have an association or affiliation with FISM. So I lost the Grand Prix, uh, which was fine. But um, the controversy after was the interesting thing because hmm. people started talking about it everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't have asked for anything better because agents Same. all How come this guy didn't- I got a TV yeah. show actually in Chile because they heard that <laughs> they heard about me because of the controversy side of how it meaning is that? why did they take it away from them etc cetera, etc cetera. so you know life's funny how it works right because really in the end of the day for me it's always been about getting that recognition and, and get your name out they don't know who you are. They can't book you. I had competed in a contest once, didn't win, but afterwards, uh, some guy who's a corporate executive said, I, I know you didn't win, but he said, of all the acts, I thought personally you were the best as far as wow. for, you know, right. they, they were fooling magicians. I was looking at doing something fooling, uh, you know, the, peop- the yeah. people. Yeah. Right, right. Well, and that's the way it <laughs> so is I got too, a good right? booking out of that. Well, it's great. And see, that's what it's all about. And to yeah. me, it, in the end, uh, you know, the goal was to uh, get the uh, agents and the worldwide, because back in, back in those days, it was a little different than it is now on how acts got booked. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of these shows where you could go in with an eight-minute act Mm-hmm. Those shows are gone, but where you would have these shows all over the world, France, Par- you know, in Paris, they had the crazy you know, horse, crazy horse, the, 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 um, Lido, Lido. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot Lido of those kind of shows all over the world. And that's how you, you need those agents to know who you were to get those bookings. Mm-hmm. So after FISM, it just sort of went. And from Did there, you have was, an agent then? Not at the moment. Uh, at that time, no. Um, but then my dad started managing me shortly after that. Okay. Uh, because what it just got, did he have in managing people? Well, you know, he was actually deputy governor of Kinsman Clubs across Canada. So okay. he was very... Uh, I'm not in, familiar with that organization. Well, it's kind of like, uh, it's a men's club like... Like a Lions uh, Club? Like a Lions Club, okay. yeah. And so he was deputy governor of all of Canada. Okay. And he did a lot of traveling with that. And, and he was very good with working with people in that way. So, I mean, in the end of the day... As long as you're dealing with, because then from his point, he would deal with the agents. I didn't have to worry about being on the phone. It's the hardest thing is to sell yourself. 
as you know, right? <laughs> I know. How do you say, well, how's your act? Well, I'm the best ever. I, of course, I'm so yeah. great. I'm so... <laughs> so you walk a fine line there because you might seem yeah. too conceited. It's like, I don't Correct. want this guy. You know, we want somebody who's friendly. It's right. nice, you know. Right. So, you know, it's really, uh, it was really good. And so anyway, from there, we just, uh, we started booking. That's when the real world work mm-hmm. started to come in. Mm-hmm. It, Along that line for a moment, there was a, f- a friend of mine who used to work a lot of college or high school and children's, what am I trying to say, just school shows, basically. Uh, and he would go in and talk with the principal, but he, but he had a, a secretary, a lady he had hired to work with him. And whenever it came to, to money, and they'd say, well, how much is this going to be? And he said, that's where she's going to come in. I'll leave. He stepped out of the uh, out of the room. Interesting. And so this way that she would negotiate the price, and then uh, you know, the principal would say, well, we've only got so much money. He said, well, yeah. you know, it's going to cost us. I don't know if he'll take that. So just let me go talk. It's kind of like the, the yep. car salesman. Yep. Let me go talk to my manager and see, <laughs> you know. Exactly. That's a great principle. I have to use that. <laughs> well, and you know, there's other good things that came out of it. And, you know, when I came home after FISM, uh, so Joan Caesar, as you uh, mm-hmm. know very well, her son Ben was young. Mm-hmm. And I was working in, and uh, he would come to our, he, he would come over to my place and I'd help him work on different things here and there. And they came over just a little after FISM and we were talking about it. And Joan said, how, you know, how'd it go? And I told her the story and I said, unfortunately, there's no Canadian association. Mm-hmm. And Joan in, uh, in brilliance in my mind mm-hmm. decided, well, I'm going to start a, a, an organization. So she, she, from that mm-hmm. started the CAM, the Canadian Association of Magicians. She's an organizer. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she put all that together, did, I mean, the stuff she went through, the convention she traveled to, the path she took to get to where, uh, CAM is now. And to have that ability for Canadian magicians to go to conventions like FISM was amazing. So, you know, I, I give, I get a lot of credit to, uh, Joan for doing what she did. Yeah, because uh, Cam has been around for what now twenty years? Oh, a little more because it would have been okay. right after FISM, so ninety four, yeah. right? So, okay, yeah, yeah. I think more like thirty, close okay. to thirty. Yeah, yeah, thirty years. Thirty years, I yep. guess. So, when you were again always really in Canada, but did you do very much work in the United States before FISM? No, but then as soon as I finished competing FISM, uh, actually I got booked Atlantic City, then to Columbia, South America, then to a cruise ship, all back to back, like literally back to back, and it was going to be like a almost an eight month period of time. And my wife and I, she, uh, she wasn't in the act yet fully, okay. but she, cause she had a job at the time. She was an accountant. So we had to, she had to get rid of her job, uh, pack up the house. Uh, we literally just changed our lives it, almost in a, in a right. one month period. When did you actually change over from birds to more illusions into which you, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Until finally the majority of your act is illusions. So it sort of became, uh, a little bit stages, kind of, but mm-hmm. when I got that first cruise ship no pun job, intended. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, when I got the cruise ship job, I went out and I first thing I did was bought an origami because I love the illusion, but it also made sense. It was small to play, you know. It's one of surrounded, those, yeah. It's right. perfect illusion in that way and in a lot of ways. And uh, I had a metamorphosis trunk that I had a chalet one from way back before. A zigzag, so I had, maybe nope, no zigzag okay. at the time. And uh, so I had those two illusions. I went out on the cruise ship. And from there, I just started, uh, you know, acquiring a few pieces here and there. But then I actually started building my own props, uh, like my shrouded transition, the uh, metamorphosis. Yep. Beautiful, I do. beautiful. Thank you. And I built that while on the Murray Hatfield tour, which <laughs> used to go across Canada. Yeah, but right. the first like five weeks of that's all around Toronto area, which is my home turf okay so i would leave the theater every night drive home Mm -hmm. work on the prop in my dad's basement through the night and in the morning back to the theater do the shows and back and forth goodness and i actually because i 
after Marie's tour, I was going back out on another cruise ship and I wanted to take it with me so sure. I could start working with it. Right. So I just started building and acquiring and trying to create and sort of build the show. Did you kind of ditch the doves around that time? Nope. Never ditched the doves for years. I'll tell you, they went into the theater even in Niagara Falls up until about eight years ago. Okay. So I kept the Dove Act all those years. Uh, I did it in Vegas, Atlantic City, all over the world. I was in the Bahamas for a couple of years. I did it in Malaysia. When I got here to Canada and I opened up the theater, I did it for the first, uh, well, close to 10 years. And then mm -hmm. it just became one of, Jack Goldfinger told me this one day. He said, Greg, one day you'll have seven doves in the show. Then it'll be six. Then it'll be five, you know, and he went through this process. Yeah. He goes, then you're going to be down to that one voice. dove. And he said, you're going to have one dove. One dove. And he goes, that one's the hardest one to get rid of. And he <laughs> says, he's married to his wife named Dove. That's right. That's right. That's funny. <laughs> that's that's going to be hard to get rid of. Right. But it, you know what? You know what it came down to? It was the, the show at the theater. We were getting a lot of repeat people. And I one year decided, I'm going to change it up. I'm going to take, it was really weird to say I'm going to take the bird act out of the show. Because mm -hmm. I'm Cause thinking... That's been, that's been your... Opener for right. my Heart life. and soul, huh? And I'm thinking, okay, well, in my head, I'm going, well, ugh, I got to do... What am I going to do? Because the audience, I got to get, you know... But they never seen the show before, some right. of them. So sure. it, it's like they're just seeing a clean slate. Mm -hmm. And I remember going out the first night and the show in the end, people loved it. And I thought, in all these years, I've been doing all that hard work. <laughs> but I mean, I really missed it. And I actually put it back together to go do FISM last year. I did it for the... Mm -hmm. I probably in Quebec. Yeah, yeah. in Quebec. Mm -hmm. Probably the last time probably I'll ever do it. It's just a very complicated I think act. you said that also. Yeah, you were yeah. saying, I haven't done this in a while, and this is probably the last time you'll see this. Yeah, and you know, it's one of those things you kind of... Part of me still wants to go... Should I, but it, 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 you know, there's a certain point in your career where you realize, I don't need that anymore. And mm -hmm. it's not that it's it, it, in any way... Uh, shape or form it's just it's part of your history it's part of my history and i've moved on mm -hmm. and um plus it's also getting very you know this new world of i don't know what you know woke i think they call it whatever yeah, where right. there's a lot of people that are against animals in show business whether of you take kind. whether you take care of them or not they don't care i mean i'm on the board of the uh, i'm the the vice chairman of the niagara spca so i do a lot of work with rescue animals and stuff mm -hmm. always looked after my animals well but in the end of the day people just perceive it as you know, I, I want to get into that just a little bit yeah. as well because of traveling, particularly those who are thinking about doing cruise ships or thinking about doing a Dove yeah. Act on that and about traveling with them. But I recall many years ago, in fact, the first time I was working at the Magic Castle, and uh, Bill Larson had uh, uh, sent me a letter back then in the old days, yep, back in yep. the early 80s, and said uh, there uh, – because I was going by the name of Great Scott. And he said, are you the same one who was working the Azure Seas because the SPCA has a suit against Great Scott for mishandling his doves? Wow. And I said, no, I've never been on that. And so I, I've changed my name and said, well, you need to use another name. I said, I'll just use Scott Wells. I'll get rid of the great yep. Scott. And then never since then, I've never used that since. But uh, apparently, even back then, apparently they had someone who had um, filed a complaint, I guess, yep. with a cruise ship, which got to the SPCA of saying that he was mishandling his doves or something. You know, sort, and so. it's sad. I mean, unfortunately, here's the problem, you know, and I always say this. And it's like any industry. Uh, we can say it about there are good people. And there are bad people that work with animals. And, you mm -hmm. know, uh, the sad thing is, is those bad people make the good people look bad. Because we, we, you know, in life, we always want right. to, you know, it's kind of a funny thing how humans are. We always want to find the bad. And like, you know, I, it's funny it's when true. you see how they, they take celebrities, they build them up, but they mm -hmm. can't wait to pull them back down, right? Mm -hmm. As soon as mm -hmm. they find something, like, what a great oh my act. gosh. But, but you know, <laughs> so it's sad because, you know, there was myself and there was a lot of people that worked and 
I mean, look at what almost Lefkovich. Look at the way he treated his animals. Oh my goodness! Right? Like, I got a good story about him when he was. I was working with him at the Magic Island, uh, and one time, uh, as after we were finished, and it was like one in the morning or something, and several of us are going to go out for breakfast. Well, I was driving a suburban at the time, a Chevy suburban. So he put his doves in the back of that, and when we went in for breakfast, he came out to check on his doves just to make sure they were yeah. still okay. Four times. I mean, yep. he left the table to go out, and he said, "Give me the keys. Could I go and look at them?" I mean, they were his children. You know, and I mean, that's the part of traveling I hated. Because mm -hmm. when you're traveling, it's always that we're back then, you know, oh my gosh, are the birds going to be okay? And, you yeah. know, and, 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 you know, even, even when I went into big cats 24, 25 years ago, when we moved to Canada, we bought a big property and we started raising some babies and I would sit and this is a <laughs> human babies or animal? No, babies? animal babies. Okay. Well, I raised some human babies too. <laughs> I raised a couple of human babies, but I was talking about my tigers yeah, yeah. and they at night will do this like, you know, almost like a, it's just how they communicate in mm -hmm. the wild. Okay. And I would be in bed and I'd be asleep and I'd wake up and I go, Oh, I wonder if they're okay. Mm -hmm. My wife hears, Oh no, they're fine. They're fine. I go, ah. and they make another, Wow. All right, I'm going out to check them. And I get all dressed up, middle of winter, walk all the way out to the conference, open the lights on, turn everything on. And they look at me and go, hey, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, <laughs> is and, it daytime yet? Yeah. Ready so to play? It, it's one of those things. Because, you know, in my the way I view it is they're, they're not just part of the act. They have to be part of your family. If they're not part of your family and you don't look at that this way, you really shouldn't be working with them if, if that's the way you look that's at it. That's a good point. I remember the story that Siegfried was talking about many years ago in which they had their animals. Then they, when they went to do the show, the neighbors were complaining because yep. the animals were still roaring. So, so roaring, they finally yep. decided to bring them with them. Yep. So they and also, exactly. the, the animals were jealous. Like, okay, you're, yep. you're choosing this one, but not this one. And then once well, they're saying back, they would roar the whole time. So we got to take them all. And it <laughs> was know? interesting because people say, well, they, they don't even want to be in the show. And it's actually totally the opposite. opposite. Yes. I had a female and she became, uh, you know, over the year she got old and she was about 14 at the time and so what we would do is i would rotate her in and out of the show so she didn't have to work every night mm -hmm. and the nights we would leave her my wife would say you know you got to take her she's out there she's just crying she's just the whole time you're gone yeah because once we would take the other animals she knew yeah she knew what's wrong with me yeah <laughs> and uh so it is amazing how they they because it's because when we're on stage, we would always communicate, and mm -hmm. it was always like people wouldn't see it, but I'd be like, "Good girl, good girl," giving them a yeah, pet. Yeah. And they look at that. That's positive reinforcement. Sure. That's also behavioral enrichment. They're doing something that works their mind. That you know they don't want to. People think they just want to lay around and no. They they like a dog, mm -hmm. like a cat, a house cat. They have to have something to 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 do with their mind during the day. They can't just be. So, you know, it's unfortunate that people get the wrong impression or the wrong opinion, but, uh, you know, I had a great run, though. We went 20, almost 25 years with the big cats. We finally did just you, took them out of the show. I was going to say, at what time or what year did you finally take them out? Well, we decided during COVID because they were getting really old. Yeah, and you and were going to replace them. Yeah, and that's the thing. Am I going to go and, you know, breed a bunch of babies and then, let's say five years down the road, I decide to retire. You still now got I got these, these cats and then it's that's not fair point. on them, right? No, no. So we made the decision, this is a good time. COVID, COVID changed a lot for a lot of people, True. right? When you think yeah, about it. Yeah. Uh, and then that was also the decision. I sat on the couch. My wife would work during the day at the theater. Then I'd go and do the shows at night. We kind of crossed paths during dinner. Mm -hmm. And during COVID, I looked over at the couch and I said, I kind of like hanging out with you. Yeah. We should do a little more of this. So <laughs> that's when we decided it was time to take a step back. And... and now we'll take a short break for a word from our sponsor. Magic at the Beach, 
That's the name of the convention, and it's going to be awesome. I hope you guys are going to be there. It's coming up October the 5th, 6th, and 7th in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And today I've got with me one of the hosts of the convention who has his own theater where most of the activities will take place. Please welcome my guest here, Charles Bach. Hey there, Charles. Hi, Scott. Great to be here. I'm glad that you were here with me, too. I know we've talked in previous weeks about some of the fantastic lineup that you've got. This is going to be great. But tell me about some of the lectures. Who's going to be lecturing? So we're really lucky to have eight lectures during this three-day convention. So there's plenty of magic to learn and some amazing talents to, to share. Uh, so Dan Harlan, who everybody knows, is one of the cr- most creative and inventive people in magic. And he's going to be lecturing at the convention. And we're excited to have him with some brand new magic. He also has a new version of his cartoon that he'll be presenting as well. Wow, that'll be a little bit different. I had heard that he had something new, but I've not seen that yet. So I'm anxious to check that out. Who else have you got? So next on our list, we have, well, there are eight lectures, so there's going to be quite a few, but I'll run them down. We have Steve Beam, who many magicians know from his creative card magic and his uh, his books that he has out. He's got some amazing magic. He's super funny as well and gives a great lecture. We're excited to have him. And then John Chirac, who is probably one of my favorite magicians who can do anything. He can do close-up stage parlor. Uh, his outstanding commercial sleight of hand magic is going to be part of his lecture. And then we have something for the children's show performers. Uh, the Amazing Adams is one of the top magicians in Chicago, and he's going to be talking about the business of children's entertainment. And he does over 435 shows a year. He's wow. going to tell you why and how you can grow your own business. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a widely diverse uh, subjects and people you're going to be having. I'm still not finished. Yeah, we oh, still have okay. Scott, you're right. We did go out of our way to find really wide, diverse uh, lectures. So it wasn't all the same. It wasn't all card magic. It wasn't all kids shows. It wasn't all stage. It was a, a wide variety. So we really do appeal to everybody. That was really important to us to include everything. I'm going to be lecturing on the watch deal. Back in the day, we put out the video. A lot of people have have it probably on their library shelf. Yeah, you and your friend. I'd forgotten. What was his name in Vegas? That was Chappie Brazil. Chappie Brazil. He did a great one. And it was an amazing video. He was probably the best watch thief I've ever seen in my life. This is going to be worth the cost of the convention to me. I really want to do a good watch deal. I've been looking for how to do this. Okay, looking forward to this. I'm sorry, I'm just excited. Watch hands have changed, and uh, I'm I'm updating the lecture with all those new things. Now that the Apple Watch is out there, there's some new opportunities for people to steal watches that might actually make it a little bit easier for you, which I, I think is the challenge that most magicians run into. But we also have the history of magic with Chip Romero, who's bringing his FISM lecture right here with also some brand new information about Doug Henning and some of the show props he'll be bringing to the convention as well. Wow. Yeah, he is a Mr. Doug Henning expert, certainly. He definitely is. And it's a wonderful lecture and it is absolutely fascinating. He's an inspiration for a ton of magicians and uh, Doug Henning is really still an influence in magic for sure. So we'll have Christian Miro, who is from uh, Argentina originally and now living in Spain. He's a comedy magician and he's going to give some killer magic routines uh, and his magic theory. And he has an amazing sense of charm and ability to like work an audience as well as clear handling of the audience volunteers and the magic to get the best response. He, it, it's really going to be a pleasure to have his his approach to magic. And there's one more performer that is not a magician. He is a street performer and one of the top street performers in uh, Finial Hall in Boston. And his name is Wacky Chad. And he's going to be lecturing on street performing and busking, which has become a whole new thing as well because people have stopped carrying cash. And he has 
all the techniques of how to not only get the money out of people, but also different ways of doing it besides uh, the cash options that used to be a, a tip jar. Right. That sounds amazing. But all of the lectures will take place right there in your Wonders Theater. Is that correct? Yes. So we have all the production elements and the slides and all the AV that they're interested in having available to them. So it's really going to be a good opportunity to experience the lectures in the best possible light. Sounds great. Charles, thanks very much for filling us in. It sounds like a wonderful convention and an educational one that everyone will learn from. And I say everyone, because again, with a diverse background that you've got with so many different people talking about so many different things, this ought to be awesome. So everybody needs to go to magicatthebeach.org and sign up for that. Coming up October 5th, 6th, and 7th in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Thanks again, Charles. Thank you, Scott. Now back to our conversation for this week's episode. During COVID, I looked over at the couch and I said, I kind of like hanging out with you. Yeah. We should do a little more of this. So that's when we decided it was time to take a step back and kind of go into semi-retirement from the show. We're going to run the business. Mm -hmm. uh, And I have Christian here who you uh, um, met just earlier. Yeah. And we're working him into the show to take over. Uh, he's an amazing young magician. He's got the drive I had when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. He's got the, uh, the ability on stage. And I said to my wife, you know, when there's a certain point that you 35 years on the road, all over the place, 17 years at the theater, when are we going to sort of, we got to start to enjoy a bit. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be that guy when I'm like 70, who's still out so, there doing right. it. And, and maybe saying, oh, I shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're kind of missing a step and you don't want to, particularly with, with cats around. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, that's that's so, for sure. So we made the, all those decisions during COVID. We just decided, okay, this is the path we're going to take. We'll take the cats out of the show, um, retire them. One of my females during COVID, we had to put down, she was 19. Mm-hmm. And for those that may not know, average age of a tiger in the wild is about eight, nine years. In the wild, probably the true. Wild. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And in captivity, a lot of uh, places, maybe 12. And she lived 19 years. Wow. So, you know, they lived a great life. And we were just decided, we're not going to start this all over again. Now, I was talking to Rick Thomas about this. And he had taken all of his tigers and, you know, big cats to a preserve. Yep. And so he raises money. He sells these little, you know, uh, tigers in a show yep. in, the, in the back of the room sales and with the proceeds going to that. And so with those, when you say retired and did you send them to some place or so reserve? Or right zoo now or? they're in a couple of places that are friends of mine that have great environments. We're trying to get them down right now to Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause that's where we bought a place, my wife and I, and um, we're going to, we're going to be living out our Older years yeah, yeah. out there okay. uh, and still years. going back and forth yeah. to Niagara to keep the business. But I'd love to get them down there so that I can find there's a place that I'd like to put them in. That's the re- same thing, but I can go visit. Sure. And, and also because of my, what I do, the work I do with animals, uh, we've actually been working with our Niagara SBCA has been working with Daytona SBCA. Hmm. So hmm. I'd like to get more involved with that when I'm down there. And right. part of it would be if I can get my cats to a reserve, I would go and spend time working there. No, no uh, charge. Just right. To, just to be with them and, sure. and give back because they be gave us pets, so much. With your animals. Yep. Right, right, yep. right. And now I'm going back a minute because I was talking about doing cruises and for people who might be interested. I know there's, it's difficult to in, in certain countries versus others as far as where you have to quarantine your doves or whatever. What kind of stories have you had oh, or issues geez. with that? Well, you know, it got to the point actually, Scott, that, that the, back when in our, it's really tough now. Uh-huh. But back in my day of traveling, you could it was easy to do. There's a lot of paperwork involved. Then the airlines started charging you like per dove and it got ridiculous. Per dove. Yeah. So what it was, huh. they had this new regulation that the either, I don't know who put it out, uh, but it was only two animals per kennel. 
was okay. a regulation. Mm-hmm. So you have these under seat carriers that I could fit four to five birds in comfortably. Mm-hmm. I saw a lady one day at the airport had two cats shoved in one of these little things, barely could fit. Yeah, couldn't turn around. But yet they wouldn't let me put five doves in this cage that had tons of room. And this was U.S. Yeah. Well, it was more the airlines would push it. I think it was done through USDA, maybe yeah. the regulation, but uh-huh. the airlines would put it. was all money grab. Of course. They wanted to charge you for. So I would do the old, well, if I can have them on stage without anybody knowing, I can have them on the plane without anybody I've knowing. I heard a story about Johnny Thompson. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I would load the birds up, go on the plane, go to the bathroom, unload them. And, right. And uh, one, there's a very funny story about that. So, and then I would, on a long flight, the, when we would take off, I put them in the overhead bin just, yeah. just while we were taking off. And we got out on the air, we got out on the taxi, out on the tarmac, yeah. and we were waiting and about two hours sitting on the tarmac waiting. And I was getting a little nervous because yeah. I, I wanted to bring them back oh down gosh, to yeah. below the seat, right? And so I could keep an eye on them. And finally, uh, the door opens of the plane and a couple of uh, mechanic, me- mechanics come on mm-hmm. board from the airline. And these mechanics come up to the hostess or the stewardess and they say, oh, she goes, oh, I heard the birds uh, up in here that must be stuck. They thought there was birds oh, stuck up in the, gosh, they, the they held the plane for two hours because of, of birds. my dove. So I had to stand there and go, uh, sorry. Um, that's me. Uh, that's Call me. me. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of really pissed off people looked at me on the airline. <laughs> Boy, I can just imagine the dirty looks you got and uh, after you got so off. So from that point on, up. when I get on, because the, the stewardess didn't care, it was the uh, people that would check you in that were, yeah. you know, trying to, it's like the extra baggage now. They're just trying to get more money, right. right? It was a crazy thing. But but back in those days, you could pretty well travel, go anywhere with them. You just had to do paperwork and make well, sure. Well, that's what I've heard about before. Yeah. And that, again, talk about money because you'd be stopping yep. at some islands and they may say, well, you can't bring them on. They got a quarantine. So well, how about if I give you some extra cash? Yeah, well, You know, say, exactly. okay, well, that's fine. Exactly. Uh, but I'd also heard like some guys, like when you're cruising and oftentimes you would get off on one island and then uh, they wait for the next ship to come in and pick you up and you kind of do right. a circle like that. But you had to leave your doves to quarantine for a yes. month and so they had different doves they were picking up along the way that had been quarantined oh geez. you know what i'm saying yeah i never did any of that actually so i because i guess maybe i did a full big illusion show i mm-hmm. would always stay on the ship for like six months straight i wouldn't do a bunch of ship hopping mm-hmm. so i never had to encounter that mm-hmm. but i did do a couple of world cruises where i had to fly into really bizarre places like western samoa i think it's called pongo pongo or some little wow. island uh-huh. and i took the birds with me but it's just you know, it was hard because my wife and I had the whole thing down. We knew how to, you know, everything, go through the customs and everything. But it just, it became a real pain in the ass. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. was a lot of work. Man, I can but, imagine. Yeah. Well, I would think also that illusions would be even more difficult. I assume you left those on some ships as you... Sure. But the illusions were great because you would send them ahead of time. And then they would just pick up... They, when you got on the ship in the morning, they would put them on in the basement okay. through one of the forklifts. And guys on the ship would bring them up to the theater. I never touched myself. Oh, that's great. I, it would go from my house to the ship without me touching them. Because I've heard Franz Roy would have yeah. multiple things, and he would have cargo ships going from China or Correct. wherever, and yep. he'd be picking them up. So he had different shows that he would uh, yep. that would meet him. But right. if they didn't arrive in time, you're kind of screwed unless you got kind of. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's where you have to have up. that little case with your with with stuff extra stuff. You know, uh-huh. we always had that. Yeah. Um, and luckily, we only had a few instances through all of the traveling that. You know, cases got missed or whatever, or couldn't find. Mm-hmm. But there's a really, it's like, I came back from a ship in Van, from Vancouver and my case came in from, to Toronto, or my cases, and uh, I went down to pick them up mm-hmm. and they drove around for about three hours inside the uh, cargo area looking for my one case, mm. for my origami case, actually. Mm-hmm. Couldn't find it, couldn't find it, couldn't find it. I mean, three hours. And it, they list, they said, oh, it's here. We checked it in. 
so finally after three hours ago, I don't know what happened to it. It's gone. Mm-hmm. So I had insured it. So I said, okay, well, and so we went, started going through the insurance process. And I said to the insurance guy, I said, well, you got to make sure, like, if I get this started, this is a custom made thing. It's not like right. anyone in the world could buy this. So whatever pro- part of the process is done, you guys will have to pay for it if you find the case. Yeah. But at this point I thought, okay. It's gone. So about three weeks later, and I, I called up uh, George Kimmery because he built yeah. my origami. I said, I got to get another one built. And he started on it. I get a phone call and the guy on the phone says, uh, hi, is your name Greg Fruno? I went, yeah. He goes, uh, we have a luggage here for you. I got a luggage? luggage? <laughs> thinking luggage. I'm thinking a luggage. Yeah, like yeah, a small... suitcase. Yeah. You go, no, nah, I got no luggage. He goes, well, it's got your name all over it. And I go, really? I, I'm trying to think of... He goes, yeah, it's this big luggage. I go, how big? <laughs> he goes, oh, it's like four foot by... Oh, said, that's my case. Yeah. Where'd you find it? He goes, and this is bizarre. The Rolling Stones were using one of the airplane hangers in Toronto to rehearse their act. Yeah. Somebody, it got mixed in with their gear and got sent over to the Rolling Stones gear. So my stuff partied with the Rolling Stones for three weeks. <laughs> the box was so big, yeah. they thought, well, just They thought it was box. like a road case for the, for the big touring show, right? So <laughs> That was the reason the Blackstone painted everything orange. It's like, yes. you think it's orange back there, yep. you know, load it up. That's a good idea. I never thought of that. Yeah. I, I actually helped them several times unload their trailers when they would go to Abbott's. Mm-hmm. And uh, never, I never thought about that. That's a good... See, <laughs> You're now still the, wheel, learning. the wheels are going... Yeah, but I'm not traveling anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, Christian, late. you can remember that if you yeah, start traveling. Yeah. That, <laughs> it's well over there. I want to talk a little bit about marketing uh, before we get into uh, Niagara years of what you've been doing there. Uh, but how do you get butts in the seat and sell tickets and uh, get people going? I mean, particularly now with... Uh, social media of course with TripAdvisor and everything else and trying to get positive reviews and everything yep. that's where people go now yep. but for the longest time before that before we had the digital social media and everything you had to have all these pamphlets i would think that you were handing yeah. out and rack cards and all you that. know it started out in the day it was uh videotapes was first yeah, sure you had to have all your stuff your eight by tens your posters all that stuff was sort of stock normal and then it went to dvd and we're like wow this is cool then it went to dvd where you could put your photo images on there yeah so things started to streamline you know quickly. started to get yeah very quickly and you had to kind of keep up with that like true if you weren't on that sort of i'll call it cutting edge but if mm-hmm. you weren't involved in that it cost you a lot more money to did you stay up with that or did you have always, a person to do always that? no no okay. no no i'm still like a very techie yeah tech. me too uh, as a matter of fact, my whole entire show, video wall, low-life smoke machines, wow. fog machines, video screens, projection, uh, everything, lighting cues, even my microphone has a mute, which nobody else has, mm-hmm. that mutes automatically as the show's running. That whole entire thing, all of that is ran by one remote control. Wow. Integrated, all of that stuff. So I'm really- Like an audio ape kind of a thing. Yeah, I don't want to say that audio ape's great, but this is even a step Step above above that. Like it's running several different, you know, like Crestron systems with video and different things like that, right? Uh So so anyway, I've been doing that since I opened the theater. Mm -hmm. So I'm very much into tech. I love the whole tech side of things. Wow. And then as far as uh, the advertising yeah. of that, yeah. how do you try to keep uh, positive reviews? I guess obviously by just doing so, a good, delivering a good product. So, you know, there's there's a lot of neat tricks, not tricks, but, you know, you, you have to be careful. Uh, you know, I'm not one of those ones to stand on stage and say, hey, if you had a good time, go to TripAdvisor, because yeah. there are going to be, no matter what you do. And I don't care who tells you this. They tell you that they've never had anyone complain in the show. They're lying. <laughs> <laughs> they're lying scott yeah. don't listen to them <laughs> because there's going to be somebody here's the sure. thing we found over the years like if it and as a businessman and restaurants will tell you this the minute they show up the show is started for them the minute they drive into your parking lot 
The minute they go through and they meet the host, mm -hmm. they get their ticket. The whole process becomes part of. It's no different than interesting. going to Wonderland or well, Wonderland's Canada, Disneyland. Mm -hmm. If you if you get there and there's enough steps of the beginning of the process that go wrong or they don't feel they were handled right, yes, you got a customer that ain't going to enjoy that show. I don't care how good you are, you're mm -hmm. already battling that point. And nowadays, people feel that they have the like not the right, but because of social media and we're so easily able to comment on stuff, people want to now tell the world that they had this bad experience. Right. So it's very, very important that we keep an eye on that process from the beginning all the way through till they sit down in their seat, till they get their food or whatever they, if they eat there, drinks, everything before the show starts. Because then my job's a lot easier. Well, you listen to those negative comments, obviously, to find out whether they're valid yes. or not. Yes. And if they are, I'll correct this. Correct. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, you have to be like, you can't be so ego driven that you can't look at those right. those reviews and say well that didn't they're not uh, they're lying they're <laughs> exactly you got to right. look at it and go well, wait a minute there's, there's a reason truth to that and and you can i've learned now to find to figure out i can tell pretty quickly now if it was the beginning process the middle process and sometimes it is the show mm -hmm. like sometimes you look i've had bad nights you know there's nights where you're not right. on or whatever and that's why I don't do it on stage. So when I'm doing my my autograph signing at the end, mm -hmm. that's where I would tell them. And I would tell the people that I know had a really good time. <laughs> so that I is filter wise right there. Yeah, there you go. Little so if someone at home's going, okay, there's one, there's one right there, right there. <laughs> but um, but yeah, you know, no matter what you do though, you're gonna get a few here and there. And you you know, uh, it's the toughest thing because like even at one point, for example, we had dancers in the show. And I would have the dancers do dance numbers right before the Tiger Illusion so I could go and help load the cats and put them sure. into the prop sense, or whatever right? and yeah. just keep it all safe. And there was a point in the show, a uh, point years ago, we had three dance numbers, each about 60 seconds. So we're okay. talking... Well, you were off the stage. Well, I'm off the stage. Yeah. Three to four minutes, let's say. And people complain, oh, there's too much dancing in the show. And you know, they're writing a review. And I'm like, well... It's three minutes, but... Out of a what, 90-minute show? 95 to okay. even a more... Like, and an intermission? No. Intermission. We do about an hour and 45 now with intermission, yeah. Okay. Intermission's mm -hmm. really important. Make a because lot of money of, at intermission. Okay. Make a lot of money at intermission. And do you pitch? I mean, like I know, like in Rick Thomas's, again, he's got the iMag screens, you yep. know, that are they're saying, hey, yep. you know, that you could do this and this, and here's yep. what's available back there. So oh, yeah. How do, oh, you, yeah. how do you pitch? Very well. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, here's, I, I believe is, uh, here's two things. I think, you know, I'm a, a soft pitch. Hmm. I do a soft pitch, meaning I don't push too hard. I think if you push too hard, I think you actually hurt your sales. Mm -hmm. I think you, they have to know there's something available at the magic shop. I want to they take something home with Yes, correct. You. Yes. But if you push too hard, I think it turns people off. Mm -hmm. They look at it and then, and, and I think, and I don't know this because I've never done this, but I think that's where you'll find some people that might comment on a review. Well, you know, they push the, you know, mm -hmm. whatever, whatever it would be. Right? Try and get extra money out of it. Yeah. So I think you got to be careful. You know, you got to, you got to know, you got to be, uh, I think you got to be subtle with enough push that they know it's there and if they like you i think you got good chance of selling them something do you have something that's low medium and higher cost oh, yeah. And so yeah we have we've over the years because we do with the tigers we had tiger tiger stuffies stuff, yeah. and the, mm -hmm. the parrot stuffies now now we've found these really good duck stuffies we have them all hmm. so we've grown over the years like our magic shops quite so there's a variety of different uh get size magic stuff. kits and i'm then magic that. kits mm -hmm. small all the way up to large ones we got posters different size and different mm -hmm. So we have a good plethora of uh, of 
things to sell. Do you allow and or encourage people to take photos or never to in record the show. anything never in the, the show? show? Never in the you show. You tell them not to? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I've heard some people who have said, you can go ahead and record like the first few minutes, but then after that, I want you to turn off and focus on the show. But I know you're going to do it, so you might as well get it out of your system. So we get... And be sure you post it and hashtag right. whatever. Okay, so we get a lot of tourists in Niagara Falls from foreign countries course, that don't yeah. speak English. Oh, oh. And if you try to tell them that, and, they, and everyone's got their phones out, they think, okay, we can... And then they don't stop. I see. And... And more so we did back in the day when the cats were in the show, the tigers, we, we uh, didn't allow it because the problem would be is people would have flashes on uh, yeah, their kids. More so back then, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Flash, flash, flash. Mm-hmm. All through, and then, of course, the cats, cats. would get like startled right. a bit. What's going on? You know, like, right. like why am I got paparazzi here? Right. So we just, uh, we just decided it's easier. Just, and it becomes a distraction. People really should. Like, I always find it funny. We go to these. We spend all of our lives wanting to go, say, to Italy. And we go all the way there, and then people spend more time on their phone taking pictures than actually enjoying it. Yeah, seeing it through the lens of a camera rather than their own lens of their eyeball. Correct. I actually saw a great post, and it was a... It was a whole bunch of like younger people, not too young, but younger people. Uh Every they were they were watching some event, Uh and it was just a picture of this crowd. Uh And uh, it was one little old lady standing in the front with no camera. Everyone else had their phones out. (laughs) And they were looking at their phones. And Uh she was just standing watching. And the caption was something along the lines of, well, at least there's one person that's enjoying life for real. And I think that's what we sometimes forget. That, you know, I'd rather sit at a show and and be involved in the show. Right. So I think that's a thing. I think it makes more sense not to have your phones out. And And you can let them take pictures afterwards. Did you have have your cats out later? They could take pictures? Yep, we could do it. We had a whole photo opportunity where you can come up and get a photo with the cat. We even did a VIP backstage tour uh, where you could come back, meet the cats. I'd bring one out. They could pet them. Mm -hmm. And it was great because that was the time that I could educate. I could tell people Mm -hmm. why these animals are uh, almost extinct in the wild. And that's important for them. And it's to not know. because of a magic show, by the way. <laughs> Some people may, like Peta, might say. Yeah, uh, it's actually because they're hunted and they're hunted. I was for say, their... Predators have predators. Sure, but humans. <laughs> that's it, and yeah. that's the one. It's the human predator, and in, and it's sad because. Uh, on the black market, a tiger's worth about $50,000 for its entire body. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. I remember that was where Rick uh, Thomas was saying that yeah. as well about how it's sad. That, yeah. And I'll go Poachers. this far. Mm-hmm. I never, I, I had to be careful politically. I didn't want to get like, there's a lot of things that I'd see go on in Canada with different, I, and once again, I'm still not comfortable sharing it yet, um, but different zoos that were with the government's help shipping tigers over to China. And here's the thing. To their the, zoos? To Chinese well, zoos? Let's okay. Oh, 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 how many zoos are in China? I've been there many times. There ain't that. The amount of cats that were going over there to me was, in my mind, and what I believe, they were supplying the the supply over there of because uh, in China they use, you know, the testicles for one thing. They use that people don't know. Tiger Bomb actually has tiger oil from the tiger skin in it, uh, and. Mm. If you see real tiger bomb that's made in China, that's I don't use it because, because that, it's got real tiger correct DNA in it. Correct. Wow. Correct. So huh. anyway, it's I was able to educate people during the VIP tour, and mm-hmm. and it was interesting because there'd always be somebody on that. We'd only do it like up to forty people, and it usually was pretty sold out. And there would always be that one person with their hands crossed, like, okay, I'm here to see this. Yes. You know, I know. They're being there, misused. There's, there's misuse or whatever, blah, blah, you know. And then by the end of the tour, those people will be totally different. Uh-huh. Because that's when they get to see, hear, feel, touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get that experience. And I think 
that was a really cool thing for me. I really enjoyed doing that part of the show. That is pretty cool. I remember uh, Reza and Branson also has a, a backstage tour after mm. uh, the thing is over. He's got a VIP thing, so people yep. sit in the front row and he talks to them. So I'll answer basically about any question except how is it done. Right. And then he will teach them a trick. And then he says, come take a picture with my helicopter, you know, and yep. let me show you my dressing room. And let yep. me show you the tour bus. And people feel like they're really getting to know him. Correct. You know? Correct. How far do you go as far as your VIP? So uh, that was sort of basis how the VIP tour went. And we're now, uh, as Christians taking over the show, we're going to start a VIP tour similar to that. But yeah. we have we have actually some really clever, uh, I think, some really clever things we're going to do. Um, but that's the thing. The whole idea will be to let them get the feeling of what it's like to be backstage. What mm -hmm. is it like for a performer? That's what a VIP yes. package is supposed should to be. Because yeah. I've seen a few, I won't mention names, where you basically go click, boom, done, done. Yep. And it's yep. like... Yep. And you pay extra for that. Yeah. It's like, and I'm like, okay, it was cool to get the picture, but that's it. Uh, so this will be a <laughs> little there, more... I know what you mean. <laughs> a little more, uh, you know, experience-driven, mm -hmm. right? As a matter of fact, we're designing, and I won't get too much into it yet, but we're designing a section in the theater that will actually rotate and be a small little stage in the theater front area that mm -hmm. is just the VIP during the show. The VIP VIP ticket buyers are all right there surrounding a center area that's a small stage that they get to see one or two routines done. Everyone else gets to see it too, but sure. more from the IMAG screens and stuff. Right. right. So you get more intimate, up close correct. experience. With get a the, whole the different stuff. experience than everybody else. It would be completely different. Yeah. Now I do want to talk about Niagara, and then I get to talk with Christian a little bit then as well. But you started, I said, a couple of decades ago. When exactly was that that the theater opened, and how has Eight, that grown? Eighteen years ago now. Okay. So uh, that would have been two thousand four. We so that we actually started the process many years before that. Mm -hmm. We had to find investment and then find the property, and it was very important. Niagara Falls is not a big area. Correct. So we had to find that right property that could house uh, a theater big enough and also uh, be close enough to everything without being too far out of town. Because the mm -hmm. minute you have to have someone drive too far or they can't find you, whatever, you're, you're done. You know, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you know that, the old saying, location, location, location. Right. You can't be off the beaten track Correct. to be a one-off to go and Correct. see that, regardless of how big of a pole that well, may be. And, and here's the other thing that people don't realize is the hotels don't want people going too far away. They want people to stay and eat there Correct. and use their bar. Correct. Mm -hmm. If you have to go a half hour out of town, well, that's a chance people are going to go, well, we better leave early. We'll go get dinner when we get there, whatever, right? Yeah. Right. So now the hoteliers won't support you. Like, So there's a lot of things on the business side you have to really think about with all of that on location. And, that's good and advice that. there then yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah. Did you still, or are you still in the same location where you yep. were and just yep. expanded? You'd have room to build on? or We had, well, the building itself is 40,000 square feet. It's Holy huge. Moly. Yeah. And, um, so the theater itself hasn't expanded. It's 650 seats. Was so it a warehouse or something to begin with? It was with actually, yes. It was an old warehouse. Uh -huh. uh, so Niagara Falls used to be an industrial area, believe it or not, before mm. it became a tourist area. What did they make? Well, the, the place that we Steel? were in was they used to make canoes. Huh. Wow. Yeah. I wouldn't have guessed and that. And then the, right <laughs> next door to it was the Borden Milk Plant. They would do all milk. It's now a hotel. Huh. Okay. So there used to be all these like industry there. Sure. Right across the street behind us is the Nabisco. They make all like uh, cereal and whatever. It's still there. Yeah. Um, so it really has just grown over the last, I don't know, 40, 50 years has grown to what it is now. Mm -hmm. But a population um, of about what? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, no, not even. I don't think it's even a hundred, okay. 100, mm -hmm. 120 maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, I know the Houdini museum burned down many yep, years ago. Yep. I went to it once. I'm glad I did. Yeah. Oh no, it was cool. Cause I, well, I lived like only a half hour. I was there all the time. Uh -huh. As a matter of fact, my very first kind of, before I did the IBMs and all that, 
I was doing my bird act at a little theater called Lily Langtree Theater in Niagara Falls. Okay. And uh, it was actually where the casino was supposed to be built. In the last minute, the government pulled the casino licenses, didn't allow it. So the casino never got finished, so they just turned it into a mall with a theater. Yeah. And I worked there for about two years. That's how I got my chops with the Bird Act before going to Abbott's and all that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But um, So the Houdini Museum was right there. I go see it all the time. It was cool. Yeah, how cool so was cool. that? So cool. So as you're saying, you're kind of slowly uh, easing into retirement, if you will, and think yes. about spending more time down in Florida and uh, handing it over then to Christian as well. Kind of reminds me again of Siegfried and Roy and, and Darren and Romeo. Darren Romeo. They yep. were saying, okay, here's going to be our successor yep. kind of a thing. So uh, Christian, how'd you get involved with uh with all this with greg okay <laughs> um so i started i fell in love with magic when i was nine years old uh -huh. i had a magician come to my birthday party his name was kelvin's magic and just a little backstory greg's from stony creek which yeah. is the same town i'm from greg went to salt fleet high school which is the same high school i went to but it was now under a different name uh -huh. Mini, a mini clone, you could say. But um, so at, at age 14, I was working mini uh, me. restaurants. <laughs> yeah, I was working uh, restaurants. And um, when I was, sorry, when I was nine, my mom took me to see Greg for the very first time. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time I ever saw a live big theater show. And I walked out of there saying to my mom, that's what I'm going to do. And, you know, mom's very supportive at the young age. She said, sure. yeah, for sure, honey, you know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and I, but I was headstrong on it. And, and from that day on, I just practiced every single day, studied everything I could. And uh, at 15, I didn't even have my driver's license yet. I got a job at, on the popcorn stand at Greg's Theater. And I was having my friend who was a little older, he would drive me back and forth. And some of the money I would make, I'd pay him for gas just to take me there. Mm -hmm. At 16, I got mine and then uh, slowly worked my way up. Greg invited me to work backstage. And uh, just the experience of seeing everything like Greg was mentioning earlier on a business side, how mm -hmm. important it is. You can't have one without the other. Right. And seeing how, how many people are involved and all the behind the scenes, the what you see on, on the front is, you know, that's the show. It looks easy. Mm -hmm. But when you see everything that takes place, uh, it's... The logistics and everything, the blocking. Yes. I thought about that whenever I remember seeing a LeGrand David show in, yes. uh, yeah, in, in Massachusetts, Beverly. It's amazing about how they move things in and out and yes, the make whole, it look effortless. And the same yeah. thing backstage. You've got to learn of, all of that. Of course. And the show that Greg was doing at the time was just pow, pow, one after the other. Right. And seeing the way that everything's organized to come in so smooth, so grateful for that experience because it changes your whole perspective on what this actually is uh -huh. rather than just walking out there and doing some tricks you know right. and uh so yeah i'm grateful for that i've been on stage now performing with greg for uh a year and a little bit now and it's been the craziest times of my life so does he introduce you then and say you know here's christian and so then you do a couple of illusions on your own and he steps off stage yes okay yes do you have a little bit different kind of a personality actually, I'll, I'll step into that okay uh, yeah he's doing about half the show right now or a little more actually but it's funny because uh, it's great. It's a great feeling, but also a little bit of an eye opener. I, I would go out at first and do autographs on my own yeah. before I bring Christian. Before I started bring Christian out, and one night these ladies all came up to me and said, "Where's the good looking young guy?" <laughs> and I said, "What's wrong with the old dude?" <laughs> so 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 it works out pretty good. <laughs> So, uh, and do you use the same dancers, I assume, that uh, Greg's yes, using the show yes, as well? Yes, same, and same assistants. Okay, yeah. 
And whenever that you are working with those, are there your routines or are there things that, things that Greg has kind of taught you that a little bit of both? I know. Yeah. I know because Greg, you've worked a lot like with the Chinese. Who was that a while back? Din Yang. Din Yang. Yeah. Yes. Din Yang, for example. Yes. Yeah. Um, so. so yeah, we're doing a little bit of both and we do tons of collaboration on some new stuff too. So it's great mm-hmm. to have, you know, somebody to work with and share ideas back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Are you adding new illusions that he, Greg didn't have? Yes, slowly. We're mm-hmm. starting starting to build some new ones. Yeah, and I'll kind of t- touch in on that. One of the things that um, the hardest part about this is to create a whole new show and put it out there. Yeah. As you know, creating stuff doesn't always at first work or That's maybe right. not, you know, by the time you polish it, you might get it to a level where it might be good, might, mm, sometimes not things are all. So we've made sure that the show's kept all the hits in it for now. Mm-hmm. So as we slowly start to now take pieces out, we can put pieces in and experiment. Right. Because the biggest thing is I want to make sure we had some original stuff, but I also want to make sure there's some pieces that, that are solid, that yeah. are solid, yeah. that are, that are audience tested, you know, and, and work. So it's so slowly over the next year, the year and a half, the whole idea will be to have a complete new show or for the most part, 90% all new. Because there are a few pieces we'll never take out that are just so good. Sure, right? they got to stay in, right. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of, like of David Copperfield on The Alien, how he has been, he loves that trick and he's kept it in and even though that it had to evolve to where it is then now, you know, yeah. he knew there was something there, kept right. working with it. Yep. So I'm sure you got some things like that that are good ideas you're working with. Yes, yeah, we have a few of them. I don't know if... Uh... We well, can we'll keep, uh, we'll keep, keep them on the down low. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, Need to come will, to Niagara to see it. <laughs> yes, of course. There will, there will be some really exciting things that are coming up soon. Yeah. So. so where can people go to uh, to get tickets or uh, how do they find? GregFruinTheater.com. Is that R-E or E-R? At the R-E. end. R-E. R-E. Okay. Yes, <laughs> the Canadian As way. As they say, the right way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the show is called Wonder. Wonder. Yes. Okay. So that way that it's kind of, it can be anybody else's show. It's not the Greg... Fruin Wonder show. Yes. It's just the Wonder. Yes. Okay, show. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And on that, one of the things that we're, you know, for the first, probably the first three years, uh, because, and this is not to knock Christian in any way, but mm-hmm. I've got a big reputation in town. I've been there almost yep. 18 years now. Yeah. Everybody, all the hotels know me. So the show will still, still be the Greg Fruin. Probably none of, number one, probably attraction. In, in, yeah. In and, mm-hmm. you know, we, we had to be careful because if we just all of a sudden change everything and then, well, is it the same show? There's a lot of confusion. So we'll be the Greg Fruin Theater Presents. Ah, that makes sense. Christian Because people are coming wonders. back all the time. Yeah, because we still need to keep that for now. And then as he builds his career, he builds his name, mm-hmm. he builds that. And on a marketing side, we can slowly change that over. And eventually, mm-hmm. the, the idea will be then it becomes fully, you know. Right. That sounds great. So it's a it's a learning lesson for everybody. I've never done this before. I've never had to <laughs> retire and cha- push everything over to somebody else. So you start learning a little bit along the way. But I first I I, I knew ahead of time that that's one of the things we'll have to do is make sure more so for the hotels and the people that sell our tickets. Mm-hmm. You know they gotta they gotta know who, what it is. And well, I can never see you, Greg, retiring. I mean, from the standpoint well, of going down to Florida, I would think you'd be getting involved with somebody or something. Plus, back in Canada as well. And- I'll say this: one of my goals or plans is I've always like I build uh, illusions. I've done some building for other guys over the years, but not a lot because mm-hmm. I've been always so busy and I build for myself mostly. Um, but now, my that was my end goal, my my sort of end of the career Mm -hmm. to build and just be in my shop during the day and have my nights off. And so I'm going to be doing all of that. I'm going to also start doing more like I did with Ding Yang, more um, uh, consulting work. And I'll still jump out and do an odd cruise ship here or there, a corporate Mm -hmm. gig. I'm not going to stop performing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I won't just sit on the couch, no. And 
without getting too far into it, there is one other thing I'll be doing in Florida that might be similar to something I'm doing now. But I'll just leave it there. I'll leave you, I'll leave you in a little suspense with yeah, that one. a little tantalizing. A little tantalizing. <laughs> might be another business opportunity. Could be. Let's put it that could way. be. So, Interesting. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. if you put together, uh, listeners, some of the things that he's talked about along the way early on, where he will be, and... Uh, the opportunities you can kind of maybe put some puzzle pieces together there, there you go interesting yeah. okay well as we close i want to thank both of you guys very much for your time and being here no problem the name of my podcast is called thank the you. magic word uh, podcast and so let me ask you christian first of all what is your philosophy of life what's important to you be kind treat everybody with the same respect you want you would want to be treated with mm-hmm. and don't take life for granted and ah. i think especially after these past covid years yeah a lot of people have learned you know love that. it yeah. that sounds great thank you greg uh well i i think it's 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 sort of, I, if you would ask me this at christian's age i would have had one whole answer but i think everything he said for sure yeah and i think you know i think in the end of the day you have to wake up and have, there's two things i think you need to do you have to wake up and believe in yourself mm-hmm. and you have to enjoy who and what you are and with that I think it helps because, you know, as I went through my career, there was some rough times with my wife and I and traveling and, you know, it puts a lot of stress on family. Mm -hmm. You have to learn that in the end of the day, family will always be there for you. Others may not. And so I think for me, like family is the most important thing. And I think, and that comes with my animals too. Like they're part of the family. So I think, you know, you just have to wake up every day, enjoy who you are, enjoy your family, enjoy life. And the rest of it, what we do, the career goals, what we do in life, that's just an extra icing on the cake. Right. Right? Very good. Guys, thanks very much. No appreciate problem. your time. Appreciate your words and your friendship. Thanks very much, and good luck uh, also then, Christian, in the future years at the Greg Fruin Theater. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you, Scott. Appreciate you having us on thanks, today. Greg. So with the Magic Word Podcast, that was Christian Moshe and Greg Fruin. Scotty out. Thank you very much, Greg and Christian, for joining us on this podcast this week. That was fascinating. Just, boy, I can't believe how that hour went by so quickly. Actually, a little bit more than that. I appreciate your time, your words, and your friendship. That was uh, was fascinating. Really interesting. And I also hope the rest of you, the listeners, enjoyed that as much as I did. I want to thank also our sponsor this week, which is, of course, Magic at the Beach, which is going to be October the 5th, 6th, and 7th coming up this year. And you can get more information at magicatthebeach.org. I also want to remind everyone, if you're going to be preparing for the holidays and purchasing anything for not only holiday gifts, but also birthday or anything at all, whenever you go to Amazon, be sure to go all the way to the bottom of the podcast blog and you will see an ad there which you could just click on it will take you to uh, amazon it'll open up your account and anything that you purchase since we're an affiliate of amazon we get a few pennies of that so thank you very much for clicking on that and helping to support us that way if you can help us with your financial donation or pledge that would be greatly appreciated as well we also suggest that you make sure to subscribe to the pod letter if you go to the magicwordpodcast.com you'll see a little pop-up where that you can subscribe to the pod letter and that way you keep up to date each week of knowing who's going to be on and who's going to be up next week and also suggestions from the archives well sorry for this uh, going on a little bit long but i do appreciate you guys coming back and listening from week to week 
As this podcast episode is being broadcast, I am actually in Germany right now. As I had reported on earlier episodes, I was going to be traveling over there. And I am looking forward to making some connections while I am there. Uh, In fact, I'm going to be lecturing both in Munich and in Berlin, in addition, of course, to spending a little bit of time there at Oktoberfest, which should be some fun. And I look forward to you coming back next week when our guest will be someone who has already been mentioned in the pod letter. So if you subscribe to the pod letter, you know who's going to be on. And so until next week, stay well, get booked, and remember to be kind, treat others with respect, don't take life for granted, and when you wake up each morning, believe in yourself and enjoy who and what you are. This is Scotty out. Scotty out.